Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. Woke up this morning into my car to start my day. First stop is my buyer, who six months ago walked away. When I arrive, he treats me like a commodity. Give me a speck on his inner connect, he wants price and delivery. And if we're over $20, he tells me this business we're gonna lose. He's got a singing that old, don't know value. Welcome, everybody, to the Value Clarity Podcast, where we talk about value in all of its forms and all it takes to generate value, which only exists in your customer's mind. Today, my guest is Lauren Fogelman. Lauren, welcome. Mark, thank you so much. And I can't wait to dig into our conversation today. So, Lauren, you help uh, professionals, especially in accounting uh, and those kind of business professionals, um, be more successful, especially realize that they charge that the prices they charge should not be by the hour, but should be value based. So I had to talk with you. Thank you. Um, what what I've seen is so many service professionals. Um, I work primarily with accounting professionals, but across the board, they care deeply about their clients and that. They don't really understand how value and money and pricing works. And as a result of that, their fees don't reflect their values. So they're leaving money on the table. And so, so I mean, your your practice is really, is it centered on that problem? Is that like the number one problem in, in, in your practice, in your business? Basically, my clients have what I call an upper limit challenge because they have connected their fees to time. Once they max out on their time, then they max out on their earning potential also. And as a result, they end up sacrificing other parts of their life in order to be able to work more hours in their business. And that eventually leads to burnout, overwhelm, and um, sometimes resentment. So they tend to have a pricing problem, but they also have an enrolling problem also. They don't understand the sales part. So I work with them not only on how to price their services, but how to be able to engage high value clients when they might not like the sales part. Yeah. So there's a, there's a really virtuous circle that you just described. Uh, an attorney who's too stressed and overwhelmed is of no value to their client, no matter how good they were once upon a time when they were calm and rational. <laughs> right. And so the attorney that is worth more to their clients um, can stay refreshed and focused because they are putting the right sort of balance in terms of what I'm worth and how much I have to, how much time I have to apply to, to put that in. And I think that the smart attorneys at this point are actually moving away from the billable hour. So when they recognize that their value goes beyond their time, they're actually able to earn more. They don't need as many clients in order to meet their revenue needs. And as a result of that, they are able to solve the burnout problem. 
wait, you're telling me that attorneys don't have to live and die by the timesheet? No, they don't need to live by six minute increments. Um, <laughs> because it actually, okay, because the fact that when you charge for your time, it creates a tug of war between you and your client, whether we're talking about attorneys or any service-based profession. Charging for your time creates this tug of war with you and your clients because your clients, on one end, they want you to work as quickly as possible to pay as little as possible, whereas you on the opposite end of the spectrum aren't incentivized to speed things up because if you get faster and more efficient, then you earn less. And that means that this overlooks your expertise and it discourages you from adding in any technology or AI that can actually improve efficiencies. So I, I think that when you charge for your time, it's a disservice. Uh, it's basically unfair to both you as well as your clients. Yeah. Now, I mean, there have always been some sorts of legal practice that were, uh, I'm thinking of estate planning, which are in the, in the trade, it's called a forms-based practice. Once you get your generic um, trust and these are, you know, here's my generic trust and these are the 12 variations that I put in for you know most of my clients. And every once in a while, I have to make up a new one, but 95% of my clients is mix and match from this base and these 12 options. And you get to bill, it's, it's ethical to bill for that end product as if you had billed for that. I mean, it, for the value provided, but really the work is in the intake and the understanding which of the 12 options and when to, how to put them in and whether, whether and how to tweak. Um, and so that, that line of thinking, that forms-based practice has been around for a long time. Mm -hmm. and, and basically with that type of business model, you're talking about what becomes essentially uh, productized services along with direct client services. H however, the value of knowing those forms and creating them is what is of concern to the attorney or the firm owner. The value from the client's point of view is not having to go through probate, uh, you know, not having the family go through, the state go through probate. And also the fact that when it's a well-written plan, um, and will, what happens is that it can keep the family together instead of splitting it up over the financials and the inheritance. So that is the value as the peace within the family remaining, as opposed to a family splitting up over money. Yeah. And so the, the way I define in my life, in my practice and in my book, shameless plug, uh, the way I define value is it's the desirability of the outcome. And so you were just talking about the outcome, one outcome as avoiding probate. And there's a lot of wills and trusts that even though you spent the money on the wills and trusts, they weren't well-written. And so they have to go through probate. So think of this as when you're using a proven form that has gone through, has sailed through probate multiple times before, that is actually of more value than the bespoke created one-off specialty item uh, that has never been proven. A absolutely. So the value to the customer of a proven formula is higher. I think, yeah. So, so customers, you know, you, Mark. We, we are totally on the same page with yeah. that. So, so think about that. The, the less, time an attorney spent 
on your particular one, right? Certainly you also said the expertise to know which of the, you know, the mm -hmm. paragraphs and clauses need to be applied to your specific case. So there is some deep knowledge there in being able to assemble the right modular parts of your forms. So there's some deep expertise and sophistication and trusted expert. And um, there's a huge burden in intake and in understanding the situation. But having bulletproof forms is probably more is is equally high value. And and I agree with you on that. Uh, from your perspective as the provider, the attorney in this case, the inputs are what have, are of value for you. You created this bulletproof form and system, but your clients don't care about where you put the causes or the exact wording that goes over their head. It probably glaze, has their eyes glaze over because that's not what they are expert in. That's what you're expert in. The clients are more concerned with the outputs and what is possible because the fact that you have the expertise to do that. Yeah. So um, I, I love the fact that we're diving into this, you know, this family estate planning example, because that's something that everybody's going to have to do. Um, getting out of a, uh, a, a criminal thing or getting out of some sort of a ticket. Not everybody has to go through that, thank goodness, but uh, everybody's going to have to think about the estate planning and the example of the difference between my costs to prepare your trust and your mm -hmm. value in what you received is really stark in those, in those cases. I, I absolutely agree. And one of the things you mentioned earlier was how you store value um, when I look at value pricing, which is what I primarily talk about, and how you apply value pricing to what you charge for your services, the, the essence of it, uh, from my point of view, is that the client needs to believe that the benefit that they receive is greater than the fees that they're paying you. That, yeah. That's what I see as the essence of value pricing your services. Yep. So we walked through a lot of the, you know, the internal customer value calculation, if you will, on estate planning. So let's switch to accountants um, and talk about some of the situations in your, in the, you know, the, the clients, the professionals that you deal with. What are some of the value-based, outcome-based conversations that you have um, an, an accountant have that is that helps walk away from the billable hour model to the outcomes model? Well, I think that the first thing I would say is it's not just about the conversation. It's about being strategic about how you set up your firm as well. And uh, sim similar to what you were talking about with the estate planner having something that's proven process, I actually have a proven process called the raise your rates formula. And it's a series of five steps. So the very first thing that we want to understand is who are your quality clients? Because if you have a wide range of clients from low value to high value, the things that are really pertinent and top of mind for high value clients differs from your low value clients. So we want to really understand who those high value clients are and what they care most about. The second thing you want to do is be able to communicate your value. So you have the right words to attract those higher quality clients to you because what you put out there in your messaging, whether it's social media, your website, 
or during an in-person event when someone asks you what you do will differentiate whether you may be attracting that quality client to you or the price shopper to you. So we want to really have the right words. Um, the third thing is being able to package your services. And this is where you take all those different things that you might do for a client and you bundle them together into packages that focus on a specific outcome. And by doing that, it allows you to actually start separating your fees from time so you can potentially earn more as you become more efficient and you gain effectiveness as well. Uh, number four is the value pricing. This is where when you price the client as opposed to your work or your time, you're able to earn two to three times more than when you're doing the traditional hourly rate or fixed rate for your services. And then the fifth one is what I call consultation mastery, where it uh, goes to your question of what do you talk to a client about when you're meeting with them, especially if you don't like the sales part or you haven't had sales training. And that's where we come up with what I call a value conversation. And so once you have some of those insights and you get the value conversation part, what you really want to focus on is understanding what is it that the client wants to achieve? Why now? Because they're dealing with it now because something happened that made this a priority or gave it urgency. And you want to understand that reasoning too. Maybe you want to understand also where they are now currently so that you can get some awareness about the gap. Are there any concerns they have that might keep them from achieving that goal? And it, once you achieve that goal, what is possible that uh, they would be able to do that they can't do at this current time. So those are some of the questions that you actually might want to ask for a client to help see the value of your services and for you to get, get better insight into why the client reached out to you. Great. So Lauren, I want to take you all the way back to that first step where, yeah. you, where you've identified the high value client from the low value client. And I, I think we all get the principle but this is accounting, and I'm, I don't know if a lot of our listeners get what that is. Can you show me an example from one of the accountants you've worked with, what their high-value clients were and their low-value clients were? What, what does that look like? I mean, is there an example that you mm -hmm. can and, and I think that a lot of it is universal, no matter what type of business you're in, especially when it's service-based. But a low-value client... And, and so anybody that's listening, what do you see as your low value clients? I think that's more important is what do you see as your low value clients? You probably know who they are. Uh, those are the people that really are price sensitive. They might negotiate your rates. They might not have any respect for your services. They want you to do the work, but they see you as a technician and they don't respect your expertise. They don't always follow through on the recommendations that you give them. They are late with everything, responding to your communications, paying your invoice, and sometimes even not showing up for meetings. So that's an example of a low value client. And maybe they respect you, but they might treat your staff like employees. So on the other end of the spectrum are the high value clients. And the high value clients see the benefit of working with you. They see your services as an investment, not as a cost. Uh, also that they are interested in your recommendations and your insights and will follow through with those recommendations that you give them. They are very responsive to all communications. They don't keep you waiting. And they're not going to text you Sunday at 8 p.m. expecting you to drop everything and give them a response back within 15 minutes. Okay. So 
it's it's a part it's, it's a lot more of a collaborative relationship where they see you as a credible resource mm -hmm. so when you're a credible resource that's when you're a high value client and when they're valuable to you as the as the accountant but you're valuable to them um and so what does value pricing look like in that within that framework Mm -hmm. uh, how, do, how do we teach value pricing? How do you, what's an example of a value pricing um, scheme that you might develop with a client? Sure. Uh, basically what I teach my clients is to create packages. And when they package their services, usually they are creating a silver, gold, and diamond level package because they recognize that they have different clients at different levels in their own business journey. The silver might be the bare essentials to be able to give them the financials, keep financials up to date, file their taxes on time. And that might be appropriate for a startup company or someone who is a solo business owner. And then the gold package is for where probably most of their clients are. These business owners might have or, uh, already existing businesses. They might have uh more employees, so they might have more, uh, more than like three to 10 staff. Uh, and so they have some more complexities as far as the financials in their business. And they might want some more insights to be able to make better decisions as their business grows. They might want some tax saving as, advice as well. And they want to make sure that they're not, they're not getting any surprise tax bills. So that might be a gold package. And then a diamond package for an accounting professional would be for someone that has maybe multiple businesses, real estate, and they want more outsourced CFO services because they recognize that they want to have immediate access to you because having that access helps them make better decisions with their several businesses moving forward and also helps them save on their taxes over the long run. So those are maybe the three different ways to be able to offer packages uh, that an accounting professional would have and recognizing that it isn't so much about the action items they're doing within that package. It's that different clients at different needs in their own businesses uh, want different things. Um, yeah. And so it's focusing on what is of utmost importance to the client. So the silver, gold and diamond packages will each have a different monthly or annual rate. They will have, yes, uh, you could do it either way. Um, so you can either charge, you can actually charge two different fees. Um, and that's something that I teach my client with packages. You can actually charge a pay in full fee where the client will pay you in full for a year's worth of services. Or if they don't want to do that, then they can go ahead and charge a monthly rate. And the monthly rate is similar to when you have a credit card. If you pay off your credit card at the end of every month, there's no late fees, there's no interest, you just pay for your purchases. But if you are going to maybe draw out the payments over several installments, then you're going to get uh, interest rate as well as late fees. Uh, so you'll pay more than what the price was for that particular item because the credit card is now financing your purchases. And I feel that that's the same way with accounting professionals and how you run your business is if you're getting paid after the fact for your services, so anybody that does billing by the hour, that does invoicing, this applies to you, then you are financing your clients work with you and they ought to be paying a higher fee for that because there's more risk involved for you having to have write-offs or, or negotiating your fee down. <laughs> or asking them to pay, bothering to, yeah, bothering them all the time to 
stunning them to pay their invoice. Yep, there's a lot of hours involved when you invoice and um, you can actually remove all those headaches when you get prepaid up front. So why does it seem, you you said like a two or three X, two or three times when people uh, buy one of these packages? Mm -hmm. So let me explain if you now, uh, I'd like to give an example, Mark. Yeah, please. Uh, Okay, so let's say that you are now currently charging a fixed fee on hourly rate and you like to move in this direction of value pricing so that you can earn two to three times more for the without working any additional hours. So this is how it works. This is the exact formula. Um, What you do is you have new clients coming to you. So say a client is coming to you. You want to go ahead and calculate what that original fixed fee would be. And now we're going to go into the good, better, best pricing model. We're going to first move up to the good rate. So you take what you originally would have charged them, that fixed monthly fee, and now we're going to multiply it by 1.5. That's your new good rate. I want you to enroll three people at that new good rate. That's 1.5 times higher than what you originally would have charged. This gives you some insight that clients aren't as price sensitive as you thought that they were. After you roll three people, we go up to tier two, which will be your better pricing. And now people will be coming to you. You come to that original fixed fee of what you would have charged them. And we're now multiplying it by 2x. This means that you're now earning double what you originally would have charged them without any additional time spent working. You're getting better insights as to how to have that initial consultation with them and having them see the value of working with you and being able to answer their questions or even anticipate them. As a result of that, you're being able to now earn twice the income. So after you roll three people at your new better rate, we're going to go to the third tier, which is the best pricing. Once again, people come to you, you come up with that initial fixed fee, and now we're multiplying it by 3x. So you are now earning three times more what you originally were charging with no additional time spent working. As a result, you're working with better quality clients. They respect you. They value your services. Because you don't need as many clients to meet your revenue needs, you're able to spend more time actually with each client with the advisory part of that, if that interests you. And also you can get back some of your free time in order to have your business raise your quality of life as well. So that's how you start to move from where you are with either fixed fees or an hourly rate over to value pricing. So I want to, something that occurred to me as you were describing this is that the advisory part and the relationship part, when it's fee for service, when you're billing hourly rate, there is this inherent disincentive to learn more about the client situation. It's um, here's a task, do the task at a surface level. When you're value pricing and you've created a package, now you actually have the time and you have the incentive to dig down two or three levels deeper and to provide great service. And yeah, maybe it did. you took a little bit more time than you might have uh, in that original build rate, but the value to your client is so much more and they suddenly see what they are getting with that higher rate and, uh, and that, and it's more predictable and more consistent, which I think a lot of people uh, appreciate. I, I think the other part that comes out of it is that you end up with more loyal clients because there is that relational part. And also that, 
um, you're not seen as a technician any longer, just doing the work, the input part of it. They now see you as that consultant or advisor. And as a result of that, they know people who are just like them and they're going to refer like-minded clients to you. So it becomes a win-win-win. Yeah. You know, I am the last guy that you could ever convince that there's any such thing as a commodity in the world. You know, I'm the guy who reminds people that as you were driving, the last time you were driving around your town, you saw two gas stations on two adjacent corners on the same intersection that had two different prices for gas. Mm -hmm. So professional services like accounting are much more are much more differentiated than gasoline or money, but a lot of customers don't see it that way. And you've got to have a conversation um, and you've got to be able to prove that and get people to see and feel what that difference looks like. And once you do a professional service like accounting that you thought was just somebody who punches my numbers for me um, is a very personal, very individualized service. I, I think that some of the things to look at is that so many businesses are moving away from just the work or the task that they're doing and really focusing on what is of value to a client. So once again, going back to accounting professionals, if they can help give you insights so you're making better business decisions, that is important. What if they can help you so that you can do a build out or an expansion a year sooner than you thought was possible? That's like compounding interest, being able to have that build out a year sooner. Uh, also, what if you can avoid tax penalties? How much you might be saving on those tax penalties, less, let alone the stress of not being prepared for tax season or possibly filing late. Uh, another part of it is also about being given insights regarding your sales force and looking at where people, are, uh, which people part of the sales team is most profitable, who is less profitable, having some insights as to the most, uh, the services that are the most popular versus the ones with the greater profit margin or what people pair together. All of those things are insights that you can get from your accounting professionals in order for you to help have better revenues and a greater profit margin in your business. Yeah, uh, I actually work with some CFOs and I ask them, are you able to tell me which salespeople get the most discounts? Right? Because some some salespeople uh -huh. are better, some people are better, salespeople are better at whining for a discount than others. So do you track which salespeople get the best discounts in a bigger company? Which sales managers? So sometimes it's the sales manager who's better at whining. So now all eight of those salespeople get all the discounts. Uh, sometimes it's a good cut. Sometimes it's a customer who's better at whining. Sometimes it's a legitimate competitive threat. And as a an accountant, do you know those things? Do you know when we're giving good discounts and when we're giving bad discounts? And if you don't know, now there's a whole lot of profit walking out the door and you don't know whether, where, or how. Um, mm -hmm. You need to have a relationship with somebody who has a vested interest in digging into that stuff for you. And the four fee dollars per hour accountant probably is never going to be that person. 
or they might not have the time because they have more of a factory model firm where they need a lot of clients in order to meet their revenue needs, as opposed to something more boutique, where they actually know who you are, your name, what is of importance to you. And there's that closer relationship because you're working closely together. Absolutely. Well, Lauren, anything else that we need to talk about that, that we didn't get to? Um, one of the things I would say is that when you're moving in this direction, what you really want to do is step out of your way of looking at things and really get curious about your clients, start to understand what is of higher value to them and realize that um, what is of value to them is different than what you value. And so that's where you can start to earn more. And, and the other thing I just want to add is if you pride yourself on having 100% close rate where you close every single client that reaches out to you to work with you, then it tells me that your prices are too low. <laughs> I love both of those things. Um, I tell people something almost identical. Um, raise your hand if you've ever had a customer tell you your prices are too high. If you, <laughs> di if you didn't raise your hand, your prices are too low. Um, and the the other thing is to be curious. I just was having this conversation with a coaching client uh, earlier today where we talked about slow down to speed up. He's, he's a mm -hmm. great, great young man in a brand new sales position. He's starting to really, he's, he's won a couple deals and he's, people are very happy with his performance, but, and he wants to know, what do I do next? How do I sharpen the saw even more? And he's in a business where the most, the best questions wins, the best listener wins. And it's not just shutting up and let somebody talk, but it's genuine curiosity and asking insightful questions. The most curious is the one that wins. So mm -hmm. I, I, I joked at him that I was, I feel like Ted Lasso uh, telling you to be curious. Or you want to be a sales therapist as opposed to a salesperson. Yeah. Well, so. Lauren, how can people get a hold of you if they want to know more? Well, if they want to actually get the resource that I have, that shows you how to get away from your hourly or fixed rate over to the good, better, best pricing. Um, I actually have a resource that lays it all out for you. And you can get that at businesssuccesssolution.com forward slash value. And that will just show you how to be able to start increasing your rates to earn two to three times more. And once you get the resource, um, then there are ways to reach out and have a further conversation about how we can get your rates to reflect your values so that you work with those high value clients too. Super. Well, thanks a lot for sharing everything. I love your approach with your clients. Mark, I appreciate this. What you're doing is changing the conversations one podcast at a time. Well, and Lauren, I so appreciate your perspective and you're applying it into a very interesting professional services, the accounting services. And thanks everybody for joining us on the Value Clarity Podcast, where we remind you that value only exists in your customer's mind, which means that business is a lot more like brain surgery than you originally thought. Thanks and have a high value day. These pots in a week. Maybe his current supplier screwed things up, put them up a creek. And I don't know why he wants 4,000 of our gold-plated thingamabobs with the custom unobtainium mojo option. What do you mean? The custom unobtainium mojo option cost us more than 20 bucks by itself.
Are you sure he knows that? Then why'd he tell me 20 bucks? Well, it ain't easy, cause value's in your buyer's brain. If you're selling on only your features, you're gonna drive over you insane. And if you ignore your customers' outcomes, you're bound to be paying your dues, cause you'll be singing those old don't know value This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.